millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and a very warm welcome back to the Crash MotoGP podcast. My name is Harry Benjamin. It's episode four and this week we'll be discussing all the latest news. Looking ahead to Mugello this weekend. We'll be giving you the insider's guide to the track as well so you know what to watch out for. But let's start with answering a couple of questions and hearing from a few of you after last week's show. Former rider, British champion and commentator Keith Ewan and Crash MotoGP editor Pete McLaren with about a million motorbikes going uh, outside his house right now are waiting patiently in the wings. So uh, let's dive straight in, chaps, shall we? And uh, start off with uh, a few things to answer for after last week's uh, a few discussions. Firstly, uh, on Mark Marquez. Now, we were quite, uh, well, Keith, you were quite damning of him uh, last week after his display in Le Mans. But Stephen Proctor has said, give Marquez a chance. He's barely been on the bike in the last year and was a lot faster than anyone in the wet. Steve Lewis adds to that and says, I think we maybe expect too much too soon. A race win this season will be an achievement. Two or three wouldn't surprise me. But the one I want you to come back on is this especially. Mark Johnson says this. The problem for Mark isn't just the recovery from injury. It is the change that is seen him fall on race day. For years, he was a frequent faller on Friday and Saturday, but never on Sunday. The number of times he has already hit the ground this year in such a limited amount of events is certainly a reason for concern. It's Mark Marquez. Everything that happens to do with Mark Marquez is different than from just about anybody else. Uh, the question has always been with Mark, was he going to be out after all this amount of time? Bearing in mind, it wasn't just the fact he hadn't been on a MotoGP bike. He hadn't been on a motocross bike or any other kind of motorbike right up until late days in his recovery. Makes a big difference for a man who spent his entire life riding a motorbike virtually every single day of his life. And to suddenly spend hundreds of days where he hasn't been on a bike at all. The question was, how would he come back? what would be the main factors in his comeback mentally of course we know he's strong but even he didn't know how he was going to get back from this particular injury he's had injuries in before he broke his leg at the beginning of a season right in the off season came back and was strong and i think that it's the mental and physical side that combination that ratio is very very important to monitor with mark your man's dead right give him a chance of course that's yeah it's it's the job of all you know, know-it-all pundits to always try and um, spot the chink in the armour, isn't it, as far as somebody like Mark Marcus is concerned. He and his team will be prepared for everything anybody says or writes. 
and they will have their own progress that they expect. Is he on schedule? We'll never know. Um, we'll wait and find out. We'll all be sitting on the fence waiting for when Mark Marquez does inevitably win another race. He's not finished. That is a fact. Uh, and if my um, comments sounded damning, um, they're not really meant to be. They're supposed to be sort of reasonably accurate in the circumstances based on my own knowledge of, of, of injury and, and, and what it takes to race a motorcycle at a very high level. It's, it's not a simple thing. It's a combination. I, my question was really, how was he coming back mentally? As long as he's okay physically, which everybody says he is, he's fixed, you know, he's, he's, his arm. And I think the fact he's fallen down as many times as he has already since he's come back means that he's relatively physically fit. But that mental capacity, he will have a nagging doubt. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be an alien if you like, but you're going to have a nagging doubt in the back of your mind. Can I ride this motorbike the way I used to be able to? And he's pushing boundaries, as Mark Marquez has always done. The boundary is just... Um, come back to a more realistic level for normal mortals, uh, not Mark Marquez mortals. I think he'll win races again. Um, he's not over and done with, that's a fact. Uh, we're not talking about... Um, providing he doesn't get injured again, of course. That's the only caveat has got to be got to be added to that. I mean, this is a dangerous sport. He could pick up another injury, and, and if he does, it could be career-ending, but, but no one's expecting that. I expect him to win races just like any other Mark Marquez fan. Okay, well, thank you, uh, Mark, Steve-O and Stephen for sending those in. Uh, Also, where we spoke about Valentino Rossi, as ever, wouldn't be a podcast without talking about Valentino Rossi. Uh, And um, we were talking about last week that, you know, perhaps it is time. He's passed his his prime. Is it time for him to go? Alan Burton has said, as for Rossi, I've got to disagree with you, Keith. He needs to retire. He's been past his sell-by date for a long time. And he's making his legend status tarnish. But that's my feeling. I'm 72 now and followed bike racing since I was 10 years old. And I watched you race many times. But the best I've ever seen ride is Mark Marquez. That's from Alan. Well, I think, sorry, Pete, that was directed at me again, wasn't it? Yeah. Pete, I've <laughs> got one for you. I've got one for you, Pete. I mean, Valentino Rossi. I think what we've got to do is give him the respect he deserves on a, on a downslope. At the moment, he is on a downslope. Whether he will recover from that or not this year, only he and his team really knows. Valentino Rossi has been an icon. He was the best you'd ever seen at some point, and that's the great thing about our sport. There is going to be someone better than Mark Marquez somewhere down the road. How long that will be, I don't know, because he set the bar very, very high. But the fact is, Marquez as of the end of last year, was the best we'd ever seen. You know, people are questioning whether the guys that are winning races now are are anywhere near like Mark Marquez's spec at this point. That's another argument that we could get well and truly involved in. But the fact is, is you can only beat the guys that are actually on the track at the time they're on the track. And at the moment, you know, the likes of Jack Miller, the latest man to uh, do the business in Le Mans, it's, it's a situation where Valentino Rossi, Getting back to the question first, we can move on later. Valentino Rossi is a great motorcycle racer across 125s, 250s, you know, onto 500s and then onto the, the four strokes as well. It's a, it's a situation where he deserves respect for what he's done for the sport and the performances he has given us in that sport. The fact that he's 42 years old and a little bit on the slide at the moment up against more in volume of men at a racetrack than probably has ever been. There are, there are more competitive motorcycles on the racetrack now capable of winning 
a MotoGP race than there's ever been in my in my observation. From going back to the 500 days, you maybe had four or five bikes that were capable of winning a race. Everyone else was in a different race. Nowadays, they're all in the same race virtually. Um, you know, there are bikes of slightly different spec, but they're all capable of winning winning a race. You've only got to look at the lap times. So Valentino Rossi is in a hotbed of youth, all on really good weapons. So I don't think it's over for Valentino. You know, we all, you know, being a, if you're not a Valentino Rossi fan, I find that slightly hard to understand in as much as that he's given us so much over the years um, or neutral. You've either got to be a Valentino Rossi fan or neutral. I don't think you've got to be against Valentino Rossi just because he deserves better than that from, from what he's achieved over the years from all of us. Well, I think Alan's uh, more of a Keith Ewan fan by the looks of it, but uh, he's been following, been following you since uh, well, he's 72 now. So uh, what does that do? Uh, now, well, he's one uh, of the few men old enough to have remembered me. <laughs> it's nice Thanks to know that someone, someone actually did witness you race. Um, so, it was in so. black and white. <laughs> right. Uh, one last comment, though. Uh, and uh, Pete, we'll let you come in on this uh, first. On the penalty discussion from last week following Le Mans, we were discussing, you know, are these penalties right? Are they uh, harsh enough? And D, you said um, people keep going on about people winning races after a penalty. But for me, the guys they catch and overtake just aren't going fast enough. If a rider is prepared to risk more to win after a penalty, why do we need more severe punishment? In my opinion, it's creating some great racing. Acosta, one great example, fair play to the lad. The rest of the field weren't fast enough uh, after his pit lane win. That's a good point. I mean, what we want is proportionate penalties, isn't it? I mean, you think back a few years ago in Argentina, Cal Crutchlow got that jump start penalty which at the time was a ride through i think for for creeping by a few millimeters before the lights went out you know it had no real impact on his start on his position at the first corner but it ruined his race and so i think since then they've kind of tried to keep things so that obviously you don't gain and you you lose whatever time it is that you might have gained plus some more but what we don't want to see is riders races completely ruined you know banyaya was three kilometers an hour apparently over the speed limit and he had to do a long lap penalty, so that's a, a couple of seconds. I mean, there's no way that he gained a couple of seconds by going three kilometres an hour. So I think, they've, I think they've got the balance right. You're never going to get it perfect. Um, you've got race direction. The, the, the pit lane penalties is a slightly different thing because they've got this problem of people looking for toes in qualifying, in, in Moto3 especially. So they, they, they're being, if you like, disproportionate in the qualifying penalties for that class because potentially it's a really dangerous situation and so you can understand why they're doing it but in the races i think these the long lap penalties are a good way of you know making sure people don't gain advantages um but not ruining racing you know that's what we don't want to see penalties versus entertainment i mean it's the two things that we want though we want to see decent races i mean the flag to flag some people don't like the flag to flag but if you go back to the old days where we used to add, add up the aggregate of, of times from the first part to the second part, you had to be a bloody mathematician when the, the check of flag came down, which was a nightmare. So I think, you know, Dorna have pretty much got it right. I mean, no, you know, a ride through penalty just wrecks an entire race, as you just said, Pete. I mean, it's one of them situations where surely we don't want to go back to that. Sure, if if the penalty needs to be strong enough, I mean... Really, we're harping back to Acosta, aren't we? When, you, when he starts from pit lane and still wins a race it's a, in Moto3. I mean, that's just a remarkable achievement. Regarding riders not quite going fast enough at the front, well, I think that that's just... I think it just goes to show how competitive things are, particularly in Moto3. You can join the back of the bunch and you can still you can still win a race because you're going to get the toe in the right places if you're, you're good enough. Um, I like the penalties as they are at the moment. I have difficulty slightly with the 
you know, track limits penalty, but that's because I'm old school and we used to ride on the dirt occasionally. Um, but it's kind of one of them situations where it's 2021 and I think anybody that complains about track limits penalties really is living a bit in the past. Um, I think that, that we have to bring the tech up to speed with where we are at the moment. When you're, when you're talking about uh, laps, equal laps, sometimes you'll get three people on an equal lap to three decimal places. Well, when you're talking about something that's that precise, that close, you need to make sure that everything is monitored to the nth degree, to the, to the last degree. And I don't think we need any bigger penalties, particularly, but um, things like track limits, which is a bone of contention for a lot of old school people, particularly like me, um, I reluctantly say I concede that I think it's fair enough. Well, Dee, I'm afraid you're in the minority there. Thank you for sending in all those uh, questions and opinions, though. Do make sure uh, you send them more in for next week as well. Uh, but let's move on, shall we, as we build up to looking at Mugello and uh, looking at some of the big news that's come out in the last week. I want to start with uh, Silly Season, because it looks like that is uh, starting to ramp up in pace slightly. Um, three-time MotoGP runner-up, Andrea De Vizioso and Aprilia, will continue their 2021 testing plans into next month. So far, he's had two outings on the 2021 Aprilia bike. One of them was really badly affected by rain, obviously, so they've given him another one. He seems determined to get back onto the grid. Do we want to return to racing for De Vizioso for next year? thousand percent. How could we not? I mean, he's he's a title contender up until the time that he um, fell out with Ducati. And you can understand why he did that as well. It's a... I think it's wonderful at the moment because these these two massive entities in our sport are dodging around each other, aren't they? The Aprilia actually is looking quite promising at the moment. Not quite there yet, but it's looking quite promising. De Vizioso is a promising rider. So they're both trying to work out the deal that's going to be best for each one of them. And I quite like watching this uh, managerial dogfight that's going on at the minute between them all. Um, Aprilia would be daft not to sign De Vizioso. De Vizioso would be a massive loss to MotoGP if he didn't come back on something. Although, having said that, he too is getting on the upper regions of uh, age now as well. You know, Will he be as sharp as he was when he went? Big question mark. Risky for Aprilia. Yeah, I think, as you say, Keith, you've got... Dobby didn't want to commit, did he, last year? He could have signed a testing deal, couldn't he, at the end of last year? There was plenty of options for him. And now we see that this is effectively a testing deal, isn't it? So we are seeing these two sides moving closer together. Have we lost him? I think we might have. No. Oh. <laughs> we'll put, uh, well, hopefully he will. Uh... Oh, Hello, back. he's back. Hello. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Don't worry. Are you all good on your end? Everything's still working? Uh, yeah, the squad casting's working, is it? Yeah, yeah you're still there. You're still there. All right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think there's a storm outside, judging by all the wind. Oh I can God! Hear. So, yeah, I think that's it's obviously battering the the internet somewhere. Oh, fair but, play. As you say, Keith, we've got these two sides moving closer together. Dobby could have signed some sort of testing deal last year with 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 several brands, we believe, but he chose. He wanted to be independent and kind of keep his options open. So by making this kind of commitment to a testing deal, it shows that he is interested. Uh, Aprilia at the same time, you know, they're not going to want to sign someone if they think he's going to wander off to another manufacturer next year with any secrets that he might take with them. So you've got both sides surely moving close together. Dobby's not saying much at the moment. I asked him directly after the Mugello test, is Aprilia your best chance of a ride next year, do you think? And he was kind of 
I'm not even thinking about next year yet. I'm just enjoying riding motocross, riding a bit of MotoGP. But this is a, a concrete sign that that something is in the pipeline for next year, surely. I think Aprilia have got a little bit more to offer at the moment. Whether they've got secrets that Honda or somebody else might be interested in uh, is another matter. But the big deal really must have been surely in Dovi's mind and uh, Badistella, his um, team man- his manager, his personal manager, would have been the, the fact that there might have been a Honda ride in the offing. At that point, nobody really knew whether Marquez was actually going to be physically able to make it any kind of a comeback. So there was a top-line motorbike that might still have been available. And I think that, quite rightly, Dovi hung on just to see whether that was um, was going to be a possibility. Plus, Dovi, even though the, the, the row with Ducati, and this, I never know whether this was a bit of Ducati misinformation that they put out there somewhere a little bit secretly around the paddock, was that Dovi and Ducati never got to talk about money. It was a big issue. Everyone said that it was a, Dovi wanted too much to stay at Ducati. But the fact is, according to, to his manager, when I spoke to him, it, they hadn't even got to the stage where they started to talk about money yet. That wasn't even the issue. Um, so it was convenient for, for uh, Ducati or whoever it was at Ducati that leaked some kind of information like that or spread that malicious rumour that it was all down to Dovi wanting too much cash. That wasn't the case. And that makes me think, Dobby's rich enough as it is anyway, um, it makes me think that the, the Aprilia deal, if that motorbike's something like, then we will see him on that motorbike next year racing. Um, but Dobby's being very, very cautious. Um, and unfortunately, the rained off session, that was you know, a couple of days wasted. And that's gold time, really, isn't it? To, to miss out on that time on the track. It, really, that evaluation would have been perfect if he could have made that, that double day test work for him. Big shame for us as much as him. Well, um, we'll see. All eyes on Dovi for 2022, potentially. We'll follow that one. Um, on to the next uh, rider making some waves in uh, in this season and in the 2021 silly season. Uh, Morbidelli hasn't hid his dissatisfaction at using this 2019 A-Spec M1 bike, uh, but he's doing a superb job on it so far. He said, though, he hasn't had any discussions with anyone yet uh, but he's aware that there is interest from some rivals um pete is there anything on the fringes that you think uh, morbidelli might be eyeing up a switch if he doesn't basically get what he wants which is i suppose an up-to-date bike and, and machinery that that works in the current age for him i mean as you say there's no doubt Anybody that, that even follows MotoGP remotely knows what Frankie Morbidelli wants next year, and it's a factory bike. <laughs> you know, he's made that very clear. The the situation, I think, is that he's got this contract with the, the Sepang team for next year, but obviously they need to put together their package. I, they need to do, I think, renew with Petronas. Then, of course, they need to renew with Yamaha or someone else. So until all those pieces are in place, there is that sort of uncertainty of where Frankie will be. And, and that's why I think he's, you know, maybe unsure he's, he's not really saying exactly what he wants or what he'll be doing because he's waiting to see the outcome of the talks and you know who's going to get the satellite yamahas is it going to be patronus we hear rossi's team is also interested in them so tricky isn't it i mean it's really really difficult frankie's in a very very difficult position with that a very intelligent fellow with the good management behind him great team that he's with it's almost like he was left out on a limb this year and i and, and you can't help but think that that was because of rossi incoming you know yamaha wanted to shift quattararo across to the factory team what do they do? Where do they dump the superstar? You know, what a trick. And Patronus looking pretty good. Obviously, Patronus, they're in it for, for global recognition. You know, Patronus don't spend the millions that they're spending at the moment to, to have any old body on the, on the bikes. And, and, and they, 
their association with Valentino Rossi will be massively valuable, particularly in, in that side of the world, you know, the Asia-Pacific region and the like. Rossi is an, an absolute god. Um, Patronus, obviously, a massive firm out of Malaysia and so on and so forth. So that that kind of worked from a PR point of view, but really it's it's definitely not working from a performance point of view at the moment. And then you've got Frankie quite rightly on the old bike, which is almost as good as a factory bike. But when, like, like I said earlier on in this, when you're dealing with, you know, splits to, to three, you know, decimal places, the slightest thing will be making a difference. And Frankie Morbidelli, being the competitor that he is, wants a top-line machinery. Trouble is, as you've already said, what bikes are they going to have next year for Patronus? He's bound, Harry, to, to have already said that, yeah, I've got a lot of interest. So have I. I think Bikes Built News wanted me to do something with them this week, but I killed them off the crash. I mean... <laughs> Too right. This is, an, this is the negotiation that all of us do at different levels in our lives. And right now, Franco is, is quite rightly saying that he's got interest from everyone else. He's going to have interest from everyone else, and they may be using him as a bit of a pawn against their riders at the moment to not come too dear or to not come too cheeky. You know, it's a massive balancing act that goes on behind the scenes. Politics in in the paddock are brilliant. I love them. You have got to be so on the ball. You've got to be at least as on the ball in the paddock as you have out on the track. And uh, their, their management, you know, you look around at some of these managers, these kind of very quiet meetings that they have in different little cubby holes and hospitality units around the paddock you could watch them all day long if you know who they are follow them around the paddock and see who's talking to who and you'll get half a clue about what's likely to happen for next year although it will be smoke and mirrors anyway well, it's all just a big game, isn't it? Well, um, Mordelli is uh, currently 47 points off of the championship leader, Quartararo. So uh, uh, some gap to improve there. Now, you brought up, uh, Keith, uh, Valentino Rossi, who has uh, said, actually, that he will make a decision on next year during the summer break. Um, what do you think is the possible outcome? Because if he does get binned off, he could just ride on his own bike, right? <laughs> He's got everything pretty much in line, I think, behind the scenes. I mean, who wouldn't want to be involved with Valentino Rossi's first foray into MotoGP as a team owner? Um, he's already got, I don't know whether it's signed yet, there were rumours whether it was or it wasn't, but um, the Saudi Arabian money, that looks like that's in place. You know, will Suzuki bring a couple of new bikes into the foray next year? Um Will he stay with Yamaha? These things are all being sorted out right now. Whether he make they won't. I'm I'm pretty much convinced there won't be anything regarding his team announced during the summer break. But certainly his personal situation, maybe he will finally get it out there. I mean, it's you imagine how hard this must be for the likes of the great Valentino Rossi to to make an announcement mid-season that he's stopping something that has been his entire life, every waking moment. He has thought about it. The only reason he goes still as fast as he goes now, and he's still going fast now. He might not be the results on paper, but he's only a few seconds away from being there with the with the front runners after a, you know, an entire race distance. So Valentino Rossi is still a very, very world-class fast motorcycle racer. You imagine the things he's going through at the moment, knowing his age, knowing his position in life, but knowing that he has got to let go at some stage. That must be a pretty tough old deal. I can't imagine how hard it must be for him. But he's going to make it this year. And probably we're going to find out personally what he's going to do during the, after the summer break, perhaps. But team-wise, I don't expect we're going to find out the details of that until much later in the year. 
there could be an interesting twist, couldn't there, Keith? If you're if you're Yamaha and maybe Rossi, you know, if Rossi really wants Yamaha's for his team next year, you know, would they be willing to see Valentino Rossi move to his team on another brand because he could say, well, I'm going to ride for my team next year. So perhaps it'd be a good idea to give them some Yamahas because otherwise there's going to be a lot of VR46 Ducati t-shirts being sold or, you know, everything else with his name on. So it's interesting to see how important that that Rossi Yamaha relationship will be and whether he will leverage it in that way to get the best bikes as he sees it for his team. Might also fit in with the Frankie Morbidelli situation as well, because Morbidelli might get his factory bike. We're riding for um, Valentino Rossi at the end of the day. He's part of the academy, isn't he? He's a VR46 academy man. So, you know, um, they're good friends. You know, maybe maybe that is the, the natural cure for um, Frankie's woes as well. Well, we'll see. But on uh, picking up on Ducati as well, and Jack Miller obviously off the back of uh, two, double wins, um, is he in line for a contract extension? And also, it looks like we're going to get, um, I think, about potentially eight Ducati bikes in, in 2022, they're saying. Um, and that could fit nicely with a, a Jack Miller extension, who's also saying that, um, you know, this is the best bike Ducati have ever built, he thinks. Jack gets on really, really good with Ducati. Ducati get on really, really good with Jack. That team has gone from being absolutely bloody miserable last year. I mean, the Davizioso Petrucci situation was horrible. You know, and, and, and Jack... Frank Naya, what a great couple of lads to have in your team anyway. And, and Ducati have been pretty good. I'll go back to the days with, with Cal Crutchlow. Despite the fact Cal Crutchlow had decided to jump ship in one year of his contract with Ducati and go to LCR, you know, they treated him with huge respect, treated him very well. And, and, and Cal treated them very well. He gave them some of their best performances after he said he was leaving, um, which is pretty hard to do when you're a rider because motivation is, is, you know, a fair percentage of everything. I think Ducati's a great team, and I think Jack fits in really well. And they're not short of a few quid, Ducati. So I don't see Jack going anywhere else, whatever the negotiations are. That's right. I think, you know, after Jack's performances in these last few races, surely he's going to get a new contract extension. I mean, what, what more does he need to do, really? You know, he's, he's one in the wet, he's one in the dry. Yeah, I, I think that's, if you're Ducati, you... you Get him signed up as soon as possible. Maybe this weekend. Well, we'll be a good uh, weekend to do it, Magello. Yeah, that's for sure. Be a very good weekend, wouldn't it? Well, look, we'll uh, keep an eye on all the silly season moves and keep you up to date with all our thoughts and opinions on that. Sidestepping slightly, uh, we haven't uh, spoken about him much since uh, his brilliant debut because uh, he's not been racing. But Jorge Martin, it seems like him and uh, Pramac further pain for them because he's going to be forced to miss this weekend as well. Uh, we got he suffered several fractures in that practice crash in uh, Portugal. They expect Martin to return at the Catalan Grand Prix in Barcelona. But this is just further pain, isn't it, to what was such a good start to his season? There's not much you can do when you've got injuries like that except mm. get over them. You know, it, it's a disaster for his career. It's a disaster for the team. But at the end of the day, he has had injuries in the past that he's come back from. It, it was a massive beating that he got. I don't really know what to say, Jorge. He's just got to grin and bear it as it is at the moment. He's got to take that, perhaps, that summer break off as well to make sure he comes back fit and strong and ready to rebuild 2022 in the last half of um, 2021, really. There's not much more we can say, surely, about that. Exactly. When you look at even Mark, how, how the troubles that he has when he's not physically fully fit, 
even Mark Marquez, you know, the, the trouble he has. And then you take a rookie as well with all that learning. You think, look, boy, just get fully fit again and then restart where you left off, hopefully. Mm. Well, uh, hopefully uh, he makes the uh, uh, speediest of recoveries because we all want to see him back on track and see what he can do, especially after that brilliant start. Um, now, it is Mugello this weekend. Keith, what are we going to expect from this track? Can you give us a bit of an insider's view? What's Mugello like? Which corners are going to be the ones that we want to keep an eye on? What's your take on it for this weekend? Mugello is magic. It's my favourite racetrack of the year. It's my favourite event of the year. It's going to be a, a, a terrible, terrible shame uh, that, that there aren't going to be a massive crowd there, as there normally is. The, the fact that the noise and the atmosphere is going to be subdued this year. I mean, I'm grateful for having it back. We didn't have it at all last year, obviously. So, so having a, a race back at Mugello. As a racetrack, it's a brilliant racetrack. Fast-sweeping corners. You know, top speed, 220, 225 miles an hour, up and over a hill. Um, there are so many favourite corners. I mean, take your pick. I mean, my two particular ones are the Arabiata 1 and 2. Fantastic couple of corners right up in front of the, the Simoncelli stand that's out there as well, the 658 stand. I mean, it's just a great racetrack with a great atmosphere and there's not a single rider that you'll find anywhere it's a bit like philip island when it comes to there's no one that don't like going to Mugello, that's for sure and if you've ever stood i mean i, I remember standing my two two of my kids at the end of um the television compound is just on the inside of of turn one effectively and they come over the top of the the, the crest at 200, um, 220 plus mile an hour on a motor gp bike and the violence of just a motorcycle going through the air at that speed is something to behold. You stand there and you, I mean, I've been stood by the side of tracks all of my life, all of it. And I have never seen anything quite like the, the, the atmosphere and the speed because you've got the, the backdrop of, of all the lunatics on the, on the hill there. It's a real arena. It's like a, an amphitheater that, that you're in the middle of a valley down that, that um, front straight as well. And the, and the huge cacophony of noise is just spectacular. Where would you watch from? Take your pick, really. I mean, I get asked that all the time. Different people get different different favourite places that they like to sit and watch from. Depends if you're taking a tent. Depends if you're taking a motorhome. Depends if you're walking around the outskirts of the track. There's plenty going on there. Um, you can spot the different police force if that's your particular go as well. I think there's about eight different uniforms of different policemen that you can spot out there as well. They, they all come out of the woodwork for their free tickets to Mugello. Um, it's, you know, the little village that's nearby, Scarperia, is, is really, really nice as well for, for food and atmosphere. There's always the car parks blocked off and there's always a, a massive great bloody band and, and speakers everywhere going mad up the road there. You've got to walk to the track on the day. It's a tiny little virtually single track um, couple of miles the last couple of miles to the track which is always blocked doesn't matter which way you come at it there's two ways to the front entrance if you come from the car uh, the uh, what's it called borgio san lorenzo you can come that way around and, and down through the, the road towards the track turn right into it or you can come from scarperia turn left into it either way you're going to be there for hours trying to get in and for hours trying to get out find your own favorite little bar just on the outside if you if you're there personally this is sadly not this year um, there's a little bar just outside the front entrance where you can go and get a good few beers before you make sure someone else drives you home because that is the other problem. There are well, a fairly, uh, there's, there's a lot of fully loaded Italians that uh, are leaving the place uh, on the day. Um, racing is always great. And there's always a turn up at Mugello as well, a fantastic 
situation, the Italians. Do anybody do it better than the Italians? You know, Ducati with an Italian rider winning on a you know Italian racetrack like Mugello. I mean, Petrucci, you know, not last year, the year before last. Um, you know, absolutely incredible times when when he manages to pinch that Grand Prix. Um, I love it. I mean, I, I I love everything to do with Italy anyway, and I love I love everything to do with Mugello. It's my favourite racetrack. If people weren't upset that they couldn't be there already, I think you've just absolutely doubled everyone's pain with that description there because I, all I want to do now is go to Magella. But you speak there very well of what happened two years ago. And I watched uh, the, the I think, a clip that I uh, saw on social media this morning of that that last couple of laps of uh, Petrucci holding on uh, to take the win. And, and Pete, that, I mean, Ducati go well here, don't they? They do. They do. I mean, the, the, the longest, fastest straight of the year anyway, fastest, you know, it, it, it beautifully suits the strength of the Ducatis. And you've got to believe that we'll see another all time top speed record this weekend. I mean, there was a new one set by Zarco in Qatar. But if you go back to 2019, the last time there was both Qatar and Mugello on the calendar, you know, Mugello was three, four, I think maybe five kilometers an hour quicker. So we're probably going to see another all-time top speed record this weekend, depending on the wind direction and the weather. Um, but yeah, that obviously plays into the hands of the Ducatis. But also, you know, as Keith was saying, there's so many great corners, iconic corners around this track. And, and OK, Ducati have won the last three years. But before that, there was a lot of Yamaha victories, you know, and the Yamahas were able to make up the time in the twisty sections and then just cling on on the straights. And so, you know, it's not a given that Ducati will win, but clearly... You know, the speed that that bike has, especially with the ride height device lowering this year and everything else, you know, it, it's going to mean that they're sure to be. They've got three riders that have been on the podium already this year, haven't they? You know, with Miller, Zarka and Banyaya, those guys are going to be up there. And it's really about who can challenge them. Big problem there for Ducati is, again, with this top speed, you've got that rise I keep going on about at the end of the pit straight where it's a really difficult one because you're right on the point of where you need to be on the front brake. And get that wrong... Yeah, you remember Michele Pirro from a few years back when uh, he went out through the front door at 200 mile an hour. Uh, you get it wrong. There isn't, if you're an inch too late on the brake or if it locks on the way in, which it did with him, uh, you're in big, big trouble. Um, and as the speeds increase even more, that is going to become an even bigger problem because you're right on top of that hill when the bike's going light, when you need to be thinking about getting the front end loaded up. Uh, Michele, Michele Piro, by the way, the tester, the chief tester for uh, Ducati, is back as a not as a wild is a wild card now. He was a substitute, I think. No, he's a substitute now, isn't he? He was a wild card, so he'll be riding the full factory machinery this weekend. Well, so there is change happening this weekend, but as we uh, really gear up for Mugello, gents, it's time, I'm afraid, to uh, get your predictions in, please. Uh, so Keith currently leads the way with one after predicting uh, Miller very aptly. Uh, Pete and myself on absolutely nothing. Uh, have we lost Pete? <laughs> Again, <laughs> just at the end. Now, gents, I say gents, uh, <laughs> we've lost one. We're down a man. Pete in uh, Thailand is that, is that a power cut? So just at the crucial moment where we're about to do our predictions for this weekend, uh, but he has sent his in uh, via email. So is, uh, is 4G still working out there? Um, so uh, I think it's fair. We should probably do Pete first, I think, uh, if, you're, if you're okay with that, Keith. Uh, <laughs> if you want to add my prediction, he's going to go for Quartararo to do a Lorenzo and beat the Ducatis at Mugello on a Yamaha. So that is Pete with Quartararo. 
He's taken my one from last week, so that's real quarter hour out for us. Uh, Keith, go on. You go next. Who's your Who's your prediction? I love Magello, as I've already told you about a thousand times. Anyone that will listen to me, um, I think there's a couple of interesting situations. Luca Marini. I mean, he, he's coming good at the moment as well. We'll see if he comes up for the Mugello round. It's an interesting racetrack for him. Um, I can't go with the Yamaha. I've got to go with the Ducati. Um, Jack Miller was my shout last time out. Bagnaia beforehand. I'm wondering whether Pekka Bagnaia is uh, is going to step up to the plate. But no, I think um, it's going to be a rough and tumble final couple of laps. So I'm going to go with Jack again. Oh, damn it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Just, just to even things up then, because you always give us... you. you you obviously came from a well-brought-up family because guests always have priority in our house as well. So ah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Since I'm a guest, I'll go with Bagnaya then, and you can have Jack. How about that? Is that fair? Oh, oh you're so far too fair, but I will take that. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> all right then. So uh, that is uh, Pete with Quartararo. Keith, you've gone Bagnaya, and you've graciously let me have Jack Miller this weekend. I was going to go. Zarco is going to be my backup. Um, but Good backup. I think, yeah, so I think I'm, I'm going to go with Miller because I just feel like he's on a roll. Um, well, I think, though, that just about does it. With one man down as we, as we end episode four. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, but Keith, Pete, huge thank you as ever. And uh, thank you for joining us and making uh, our first few episodes so enjoyable. Do make sure you leave us a review or comment wherever you're listening to this podcast or indeed watching us. Get in touch too uh, if you want to put your opinions across or any questions you might have. I'll ask them to the guys at the start of the show. Uh, but in the meantime, we head to Magello for round six of the 2021 MotoGP season. Keep up to date with all the latest on crash.net and we'll see you next week where we get to do this all over again until then stay safe and we'll see you soon cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.